Well, it's that time again. We got another one coming to you today. Right here, we're going to be talking about the Trinity. Is God one? Is God three persons? Is it three and one? Is it one and three? We find out. We're going to be talking with a special guest going to be joining me right after this. What's going on, good people? This is your boy, Trevi Treb, the host. I don't know if I got the most. I don't know if that'd be appropriate to say host with the most. <laughs> but I'll be your host, and I am the host, to say that. But, uh, yeah, listen, man, we uh, we appreciate everything that uh, you guys are doing for us, from your, your, your monetary donations to your downloads. Um, we are global. I don't have my statistics pulled up to show all the countries and the states that we're in, but yes, we are in Europe, we're in South Asia, Africa, Canada, we are all over the US. Um, but hey, we we appreciate it. Um, I know off the top of my head, man, whoever's in Arizona, California, Oklahoma, Texas, Georgia, of course, Virginia. I got a lot of people here and in New York, man. You guys are blowing those downloads up and we appreciate it. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Um we just had our episode released with um, uh, Dr. G.K. Bill on the book of Revelation. So if you want to know more about the book of Revelation, understanding the book of Revelation, um, current events, all that jazz, we get into that. Uh, go and check that episode out. It's called John's Apocalypse, Understanding the Book of Revelation. So Dr. G.K. Bill is well qualified to walk anybody through that. Uh, subject the book of revelation um but anyways as promised and if you've been following us on social media we've been doing a lot of statistics and a lot of not only statistics but polls asking people about the trinity for the majority part our followers are trinitarian we might have a couple unitarians and we do we don't discourage you from not following i don't care who follows me i mean you know it is what it is um you may agree you may not agree it just i mean there's the door you know, if you don't like it, there you go. Anyways, um, but for the majority part, um, our fathers are Trinitarian. But I think it's a good thing to understand why you believe what you believe. Um, and I think for the majority part, where a lot of those who would call themselves Trinitarian, when you're at, when you are asked to explain the Trinity, you're left with scratching your head a little bit not trying to bribe brush, but I think it's a good thing to have my guest on today to help us walk through explaining the Trinity. I first encountered this young man on, uh, on a debate. And, uh, let me just say before I bring him on, um, this man, he put in some work. I mean, some work. It's, it's enough for me to just play this. Hold on for a second. The champ is here. So you heard that right. The champ is here. I got him. The one and only Dr. Edward Dalcor. Uh, welcome, sir. I'm glad to have you here. Hey, delighted to be here. You know, other talk shows that, that are, or shows that I'm on, they don't have uh, cool music like that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. That's cool. But uh, delighted to be on your show, um, especially on this particular topic, since it's um, unfortunately probably not all Christians will agree, but this is the marrow of the scripture it's the marrow of redemption it's the marrow mm -hmm. of our doctrine and our christian faith to be sure the doctrine of the trinity right yes sir yes sir um 
I think I'm gonna, I gotta ask you later on, we'll come to that about, is it, is it a salvific issue? But we'll, we'll get to that. It's another one I want to get you to, to, to listen in on, um, and get your, your scholarly, your theological opinion. Um, so, well, let's, let's, let's jump right into it. Um, what is it, Trinity? Exactly. Is it, is it three and one, one and three? Is it, is it three separate persons? What are we looking at? Cause a lot of people might, well, Hey, I don't, I just believe in a Trinity. How would you, if we were in Bible 101 or theology 101, apologetics 101, can you give the audience a good understanding of, of how to define the Trinity based off scripture? Starting yeah. a scripture. We'll start a scripture. We'll start a scripture. And I, I did, do want to say, since we mentioned rules and, and what is number one and all these things, number one, and I, I, I'll probably repeat this for Christians when they are discussing the Trinity with anyone whether a fellow Christian, you know, it's, it's, I think it's some good discussion because um, not all Christians have been exposed to essential doctrines and not all Christians have been exposed to particularly the doctrine of the Trinity. So they have def deficient or defective uh, definitions. And I will say at the front, um, if you ask 10 Christians, 20 Christians from your church or someone's church, what is the Trinity? You might get um, you might get 20 somewhat different answers, not that they're completely in error, but you might get, you know, various different, various, um, different answers. And some are just erroneous. However, that's a lot different. That's radically different than a oneness Pentecostal or Jehovah's witness or any kind of Unitarian saying, I reject the Trinity. If mm -hmm. you explain it in a defective way, that's different than you saying, uh, I reject it because Christians that embrace it. You know, they just they're just not sure how it works. They're not sure how to define it, but they know one thing that God exists as triune, even though they can't explain it. Same with the deity of Christ. Um, so in, in light of all that, I would say first and foremost, here's rule number one, probably the only rule I have on this. Don't use analogies when you explain the Trinity, because mm -hmm. all analogies are deficient. All of them either point to oneness. Mm -hmm. or it points to a separation of the persons. And we can't be afraid, and this is to pastors too, you can't be afraid to teach the Trinity. Most, or Amen. I don't like to use the word most, but many will say because they have not studied it enough, because they're unread in the nuts and bolts and some of the more specific treasures of the Trinity, they, by default, they'll say the Trinity is a mystery. Mm -hmm. Nobody understands it. But the fact of the matter is, when someone says that, the fact of the matter is, um, number one, the Trinity is not a mystery. Number two, that's like me asking you, is the doctrine or saying the doctrine of one God, there's only one God, is just a mystery. We'll never understand how there's mm -hmm. one. Well, I don't think anyone would really agree on that. The reason why people say it's a mystery because, well, first they misinterpret 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, the mystery of godliness. But mm -hmm. of course, that is not talking about the Trinity. That mystery that has come to be revealed clearly in the New Testament is on the in, it's the incarnation. God was He was manifested or He appeared in the flesh. That has to do with that whole small hymn or that creed has to do with the incarnation, not the Trinity. So don't call the Trinity a mystery because it's not in Scripture. We use the word, and I'm sure we'll deal with this later. Mm -hmm. 
why the word's not in the Bible. That's one of the main right. attacks of right. uh, a whole lot of Unitarians, particularly Jehovah's Witnesses and Oneness people. Well, the word's not in the Bible. Uh, of course, what they're confusing is the biblical data with theological words. There's mm -hmm. a lot of theological words that aren't in, in the Bible. Exactly. Um, the word incarnation, the word omnipresent, omnipresent. The word uh, omniscience, all these mm -hmm. things define God, but they're not in the Bible. These are doctrinal words that define the biblical data. So we have to, you know, it doesn't violate sola scriptura at all because the biblical data supports these theological terms, these right. non-biblical words that we use. And if you're going to be ironclad in this argument, I would say, well, you can't use any English words because no English words are found in scripture. But the fact mm. of the matter is we use Trinity because here's what we find in scripture. And we can't be afraid of it because it's not a complex seminarian doctrine that you only professors know about. No, right, right. all Christians should be aware because it has to do with our salvation. It really does. Um, what we find in scripture, and here's why we were, use the word triune and trinity. We find throughout Genesis to Revelation, the doctrine of monotheism. Mm -hmm. We find, even though that's a 17th, again, that's a non-biblical word. It's a 17th right. century word. We find monotheism. What does monotheism mean? Well, it means that there's one God, and we would say, I would go further to say ontological monotheism, meaning there's one God, one being by mm -hmm. nature. What we don't mean by the term monotheism is monopersonalism, that there's one person who is God. Scripture does not in any way, shape, or form teach that one God equals one person. That's the precept of the Unitarian. So when I argue with you, if I'm a Unitarian, and I hear this all the time, I'll say, look, Trevor, the, the Bible says there's one God. But in my mind, I'm assuming one God means one person, but I never prove that. I'm just right. assuming it. Right. Monotheism means one being. But what we find, uh, and again, we find the doctrine of one God all over the place, particularly in Jeremiah 10, 10, 3, 11, Mark 12, Jesus said um, the most, the greatest commandment is a kuon, um, to hear that the Lord is one. That's the greatest commandment to hear right, right. that the Lord is one, love him with all we have. Mm -hmm. But the one God we find has revealed himself. And this is, this is fact number two, fact number one, or our, our, our precept number one, or our premise number one yeah. is that there's one God. Number two, we find in scripture that there's three persons mm -hmm. who are not only called God and Yahweh in representation, but not merely representation. They're referred to as Yahweh ontologically. Right. They do the things Yahweh does. All three persons are called God. Or they're called Thaos. They're called Yahweh. They're called Kodios. And all three persons are presented as creator of all things. Mm -hmm. All three persons have divine attributes. All yeah. three persons simply are God. But why do we call them persons? Certainly the father, you know, he doesn't have flesh and bones and passions like the Mormons think. Why do we refer to him? Historically, the Christian church has, has referred to the three members of the Trinity as persons. Well, simple. I think it's simple dimple because mm -hmm. they have personal attributes. They have personal right. characteristics. Right. What other word would we use? You want to use self-aware subject? Fine. I have no problem with that. Mm -hmm. But don't say it. they're three forces or don't say they're three 
and this is the catchword of oneness Pentecostals manifestations. Right. A manifestation is is an appearance of something. Yeah. It it, it it's in the wrong category. What manifested? That's the question. Who manifested? Mm -hmm. And we see that the person, the persons manifest, particularly Jesus Christ manifested, appeared in the flesh. So number two, we see three persons who are mm -hmm. who are God, who represented are represented as God, as Yahweh, as the true God and save and savior, right? All three persons and creator. And then number three, the last premise or the last fact of the Bible is these three persons are presented grammatically, but again, in simple English, in our normal translations, they're presented as distinct from each other. Mm -hmm. So we have one God, three persons who are God, not just a not just merely a representation. And number three, these three persons are distinct from each other. The Son, Jesus Christ, prays to the Father. Um, Jesus Christ speaks to the about the Holy Spirit as someone mm -hmm. different than himself. We can go on and on, and we'll look at some of the passages that grammatically differentiate the three persons. Right. So a simple definition for the Trinity is simply this. There's one God revealed in three co-equal, co-eternal, co-existent persons. Or this is the definition that I use. Again, these are simple things. There are three persons, Scripture presents, there are three persons who share the nature of the one being. Right. And I think that's a most adequate definition of the Trinity. And that's why we use the word Trinity, because the biblical data supports it. And I will say one more thing. The very foundation of the Trinity is monotheism, is mm -hmm. ontological monotheism. I, I term it as, um, as ontological Trinitarianism mm -hmm. or Trinitarian, mm -hmm. uh, Trinitarian monothe monotheism, however you yeah. want to say it. Yeah. Um, to the audience, I forgot, I failed to mention uh, Dr. Dow Kors, uh level of greek is far 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 past mine so <laughs> it's one is one thing that really drew me to him i was like man i really got to get him on because that greek him and that greek I'm, I'm praying to get to that level one day so uh i solicit your prayers and cover your prayers in that regard um but you know you said something i was talking i worked with a brother um good dude good dude man jamaican brother and um you know he follows a uh a, a popular uh preacher uh who is oneness and so we were talking about trinity and you said something i started that's like man yes yeah, it's good because i asked him I, he said man the trinity's not in the bible i was like okay i said let me ask you a question um you believe that god is omniscient god is omnipotent and he's like yeah yeah i said so can you do me a favor so can you find those words in scripture and he was like i don't know I said, you don't know because you're not going to find them, but you find the concepts that teach that. The only thing we're just doing, instead of sometimes quoting passages and passages and passages with these theological terms, we're just we're just packaging. It's like how Amazon might do my books sometimes if order in big bulk, they might put all five of them in it. So you just, you know, you're looking for this is the Bible teaches this. We're just putting it in these little one words because you know what it means with what, what, what verses might come to your head when you say God is omnipresent, um, you know, or his eyes run to and forth to and fro throughout the earth. He sees and knows and do all he's omnipresent. He's all knowing he's the only one that knows our hearts. And so those type of words capture like omnipresent, omniscient, omnipotent. Mm -hmm. He's all powerful. 
it just captures that. So that was that was that was one of my things I was going to ask you to to highlight. But anyways, you're good. Um, let me let me let me ask the question: Who is that oneness person? Oh, that is um shoot man, what's that guys? He's up in uh uh Geno Jennings. Geno Jennings. I, I, yeah, I was just gonna say I asked. That oh question. yeah, Geno. Yeah. I was just gonna say, is this Geno Jennings? <laughs> it's Geno. guy. That I started teaching a Bible study. I'll take uh -huh. thirty seconds. And they're all from this Calvary Chapel Church. We all meet at Farmer's Market. It's really interesting. And they've asked me to teach a few times. Great group of guys. And yeah. um, so I'm teaching on different things. And I've only been there maybe a couple months. I, I do it a, a few times a month. Anyways, one of the guys, um, one of the guys, he's an older fellow. Well, I'm older too. But he, when I started teaching on the deity or the son of man, I forgot what topic, he started appealing to nobody or Jesus doesn't know when he's coming back. He's not equal with the father. Mm -hmm. And some of the guys looked and I was shocked. Of course. Right. And um, that turned into a huge thing because he knew all the verses to go to. He knew mm -hmm. to go to, you know, no one's good, but God, Mark 10. Mm -hmm. He knew mm -hmm. all the verses. The Trinity's not in the Bible. There's only one God. In other words, someone taught him. Anytime right. someone comes with these passages, you know, they were taught by either Jehovah's Absolutely. Witness or a oneness or something. I come to find out he's been listening to Gino Jennings. So we're working on, you know, I told the guys, you got to tell the pastor. He needs to know or they, because he was teaching a home group. And, you know, some churches don't vet the teachers. They assume you're right. a Christian because you've Absolutely. been there 20 years. Absolutely. Anyways, Gino Jennings. And um, I got another email from a guy from Canada because Gino Jennings is coming to Toronto. He was upset. He's popular because he yells mm -hmm. and he calls out oh, yeah. other false teachers he's he's so subtle it's like td jakes mm -hmm. but gino jennings is just a heretic who denies christ yeah absolutely. that's funny i knew it was yeah I oh yeah, thought yeah. It was gino jennings and i mean he you know generally good guy um the brother i work with i think he's just in the in the stage of learning and exactly you know and that's the that's the key i was just having a conversation um with my buddy we were talking um dr dacor and i were talking prior to our episode recording, um, a good friend of mine in the Bronx, who's been on with us before, so I can mention his name, Pastor O.L. Buckley, who we recorded with before about um, coming out of New Age or pastoring people out of the New Age movement. Um, but he did a live with Damon Richardson, and uh, both of those brothers have come out of one that's Pentecostalism. And so the one thing that I really admire about um, Pastor Buckley is he he's taken his church entirely through new members class and what he what he's doing is giving them the systematic theology and so one thing that he's going to spend some time on is the trinity because that, that's important conversation regardless if you you know have one is friends or family you have muslims that question i mean that's one of the number one things that a muslim or uh, is a uh, muslim might run to with a christian is the trinity and they know what verses to pull out of scripture, particularly one that I've commonly heard was uh, the Shema Deuteronomy 6 and 4. Shema Yisrael, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Chad. Hopefully that sounds okay. Um, no mispronunciation. But let me, let me, Dr. Dacor, and we can, we can jump into the, into Hebrew Bible here. Let me play y'all a clip from, um, his name is Dr. Benjamin Sumer. And uh, he has a book called The Bodies of God and the World of Ancient Israelites, which is unique about Dr. S I think it's Summer, uh, spelled S-O-M-M-E-R, his last name. Um, he's actually Jew or Jewish. So listen, listen to this 
maybe about a couple seconds. Listen to this. Is that we Jews have no theological objection to the doctrine of the Trinity. We Jews for centuries have objected to the Trinity, have labeled it pagan, have said, well, that's clear. There you can see that the core of Christianity doesn't come out of the, the, the Hebrew Bible, the Tanakh, what they call the Old Testament. Really, they're being disloyal to the monotheism of the Old Testament. Actually, I think that that's not true. To my surprise, I came to the conclusion, somewhat to my dismay, I came to the conclusion that we Jews have no theological right to object to the Trinity. Theologically, I think that the model of the Trinity is an old ancient Near Eastern idea that shows up in the Tanakh and that in a different way shows up in Jewish... All right, so um, you uh, you heard that, Dr. Dakor? Yes. All right, cool. And then in his book on page da, 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 135, he says some Jews regard Christianity's claim to be monothe to be a monotheistic religion with grave suspicion, both because of the doctrine of the Trinity and because Christianity's core belief that God took bodily form. Um, he goes on in the next sentence to say, biblically, Israel knew very similar doctrines, and these doctrines did not disappear from Judaism after the biblical period. So, Jewish man, uh, so I guess we we will stick with Hebrew Bible here. So, from Hebrew Bible, because they'll run and say, well, Isaiah 45 and 5, you have Deuteronomy 6 and 4. Have at it, Dr. Doc. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting that a lot of Unitarians will quote post- Christian Jews who reject uh -huh. the Trinity, who somehow, some way, shape, or form, they attempt to discount all the passages, mm -hmm. not only to talk about the plurality of persons in the Old Testament, but um, the 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 appearance of a divine person who was just distinct from another Yahweh, like the Son of Man, mm -hmm. who in Daniel 7, 13, 14, he comes in the clouds. He was worshipped by all nations. Yeah. Uh, Son of Man was... You know, that was a particular title that Jesus used of himself. Normally, he used it with a definite article. The Daniel doesn't have the definite article in the Septuagint. But the fact of the matter is, this was a divine person who was worshipped, who comes in the clouds. Only Yahweh comes in the clouds. Mm -hmm. um, Isaiah 9, 6, mighty God, El Gobar. We can go on and on to show the preexistence of, of the Son. But here's the thing, or a divine person, a plurality of divine persons in the Old Testament Normally, Unitarians will quote post-Christian sources because pre-Christian sources would say what this guy says, there is a doctrine of a plurality of the two powers in heaven, and there's whole books written about it. So, mm -hmm. you know, they, they tried to grapple with all this as best they could. But right. again, this was pre-Christian rabbis. They didn't, they, they were hesitant, and you don't find statements about Unitarianism. Mm -hmm. It's post-Christian rabbis or Jewish sources that people quote, you know, same with them. Um, I think one of the, I think one of the um, most devastating passages for today's Unitarian and also non-believing Jews is in Genesis 18 and 19, when you have these, these three visitors, mm -hmm. um, you know, you, you have these three visitors in chapter 18 and, and you find out. First, we we read that Yahweh appeared to Abraham. We see that in the beginning of, of 18. Right. Yahweh right. appeared to him. Yeah. The Septuagint says God appeared to him. 
But as we're reading, we see that these three visitors, and in chapter 19, they're called angels, but mm -hmm. these three visitors um, were interacting. And then one of the visitors was the main speaker. And this one visitor, as in, uh, I think, 1813, uh, he's referred to as Yahweh. He's right. the speaker. But this is one of these visitors. Yahweh is the speaker. Remember, Abraham laughed, laughed mm -hmm. at him. Oh, yeah. Um, but the fact of the matter is you have Yahweh as the speaker. And then we see the culmination mm -hmm. in, in verse 24 of chapter 19. And uh, by the way, in the beginning of 19, it says the two angels, because one of those visitors who are identified as angels, one of these visitors identified himself as Yahweh. Yeah. But in 1924, and I, I wish we had more time, we can look at the patristic evidence of usage of 1924 showing that god is multi-personal by early church fathers we're talking hundreds of years we're talking years before nicaea um we read in 1924 literal in hebrew it's literally in hebrew then yahweh reigned on sana gomorrah brimstone and fire from yahweh that's a direct marker there a direct direct object marker from yahweh yeah. out from min out from heaven and that phrase out from heavens used many times, and it's a literal out from heaven. That's how it's used. Um, but what do you do with a passage like that that has the existence of two Yahwehs, one in earth, one in heaven? I have no problem with it. I'm a Trinitarian. I see God mm -hmm. as multipersonal, nor do I have a problem with God the Son praying to God the Father, interacting yeah. with another person who is God. Right. But it's extraordinarily, dif extraordinarily difficult with um with one of Pentecostals and even the the Jews, non-believing Jews who try to explain this. Mm. Um let me ask you um Genesis 48 and 15, 16. Would that be another good indicator? Because the language is is singular, correct? When when Jacob is blessing um was Ephraim and uh Ephraim and Manasseh. He says, uh, verse six, verse 15, and he blessed Joseph and said, uh, the God before whom my fathers, my fathers, Abraham and Isaac walk, the God who has been my shepherd all my all my life long to this day, the angel who has redeemed me from all evil, bless the boys. That'd be my question is, well, can an angel redeem you from evil? Does the angel have, right. you know, a Melech or, you know, Melchim, Angeloi, Angelos? Angelon, can they redeem you from from evil but that in hebrew if i'm if and please correct me if i'm wrong is still singular which would be discussing the same being would that not be well yeah that it's it's i know i i see this as significant but it's not a airtight argument okay because even with christian scholars and we I think it's always productive for Christians to look at the airtight, the ones that are completely unambiguous. Mm -hmm. um, but I think uh, these passages, as being the point you just made, I think to be sure, um, I think this is a good a good reference, a good reference point to a the multipersonal God. Mm -hmm. um, but then you know you you got to define the word um, redeemed. Is it mm -hmm. rescuing us from trouble? You know, is there is right. it delivering us from trouble? Angels can do that. And I'm mm -hmm. just saying it I, I don't see it as airtight. Okay. But I do see it, you know, I would agree. I think it's it's a trinity. I think it 
the Trinity is there. Right. I just don't think it's um, it can go either way. In other words, gotcha, gotcha. Okay, um, and then Deuteronomy six four. If I guess because it it is saying that God is one, um, that's one. And then Isaiah forty five five. You know, there's no other God besides God. Um, how would you how would you walk somebody through if you were conversating or conversing with a Unitarian, they, they, they run to that was, well, well, you have the Shema, Shema is one. It's saying it's one, um, even not a Unitarian, uh, maybe uh, somebody who's Jewish, Islamic. Uh, see, it's saying it's one, or maybe just an anti-Trinitarian. Uh, it's yeah, saying I mean, that scripture is one. Um, yeah. All, and all these groups are classified generally as Unitarian. Um, the fact is, you know, it's a very irritating argument when they, mm -hmm. when they use it. Sometimes I'll say, like okay i believe there's one god as well the question <laughs> is what does one mean right um it, it's a normal word for one so the same with the new testament um you know one what one group uh mm -hmm. one company one you know one person mm -hmm. one group of people people uh one name you know what do we mean mm -hmm. by that um interesting though the word as as most understand ahead um it can mean it can have a have a meaning of complex or compound oneness or unity. And we see that in Genesis 2, 24, um, uh, 11, six with the tower of Babel, right? There were one, um, also Exodus, I think 26, six. So it's used that way all through scripture, but mm -hmm. we don't want to say that that's only the meaning of a head because sometimes it could mean solitary, but I always point out this. If the authors, of the old testament and a lot of times as, as i'm sure you have experienced and many of the listeners unitarians are they're famous for taking a verse out in isolation they don't want to look at anything else they just want to look at this one verse as if the mm -hmm. other verses don't exist but yeah. looking at the old testament let's take the hebrew um there was gosh there was eight or nine words that could mean one but one of the only words one of the only adjectives uh, a kid or a kaid that means one solitary unis, uh, mm -hmm. unit, um, not unity, but one in solitary one. Now you would think if the Old Testament authors were Unitarian, mm -hmm. they would never use a kaid because that could mean compound unity. They would use a kid, like right. in um, Psalm 68, 6. And this is confirmed by lexicographers, the meaning of solitary oneness. It does not mean compound unity. It means <laughs> solitary one. So, you know, that's not the word in Deuteronomy 6.4. That's not the word that's used. The word that's used, uh, similar to the, the Greek term one, it's in, in 1 Corinthians 6, 8, or 8.6 and so on and so forth, um, it can have a, a connotation of one in in complex or one in unity, unlike a kid, mm. one solitary one. So you know, and the fact of the matter is, and with with Unitarians, and a lot of them are, are not, um, I guess, they're not familiar with a lot of the the plural verbs, adjectives, and prepositions that's used right. in Scripture, um, not just. Genesis 126, but I will say about Genesis 126, the early church used this um, to show that God is multipersonal. Mm -hmm. Most saw this as a Trinitarian 
plural here in Genesis 126. Even though, yes, there's some Christian, some Christian commentators that see this as a royal unity or or, or royal plural or something, but uh, no, I, I think it's stronger than that because how it's used elsewhere, how it's used in other places, but the plural verb, and that's a plural verb there in Genesis 126, um, let us make mm-hmm. in our image, in our image is a plural preposition. Let us make, that is a plural verb. Um, in our likeness, plural prepositions. Why in the world would Unitarian authors, if the Old Testament were Unitarian, why would they use that? Why would they use plurals? Uh, or how about the Tower of Babel? Mm-hmm. Uh let us go down and confuse their language. And same with the word name, I think in verse four of chapter 11, let us make a name for ourselves. This is a group of people wanting to make a singular name for ourselves. If you ever notice, one is Pentecostals always appeal to Matthew 20, 19, and they will cry and complain and say, this word name is singular. It doesn't say names as you Trinitarians think, but you know, they don't know the semantic of name in a Jewish mind, authority and power and so on and so forth. Why would it say names? We're not Mormons, mm-hmm. you know, but the same word in the Septuagint, Anama in Genesis eleven four, the same singular word for name is used to denote a huge, vast amount of people who are building this, this, uh, this tower. Um, so Genesis, these plural words, I think it's very significant. And by the way, just as an aside, um, let us make, that's a plural verb. In John 14, 23, Jesus says, if anyone loves me, he'll keep my word and my father will love him and we will come, mm-hmm. plural indicative here, we will come to him and we will make our abode with him. First, how is it that Jesus Christ can make his, can come and make his abode with millions of Christians at the, at the same time? unless he was divine, but wait, these are plural verbs. Mm. We will make, our, we will come to him. We will make our abode with him. So now he differentiates himself with the father. These are two plural future indicative verbs, plural indicative verbs here. But here's what's interesting. When Jesus says we will make, make our, that's the verb, make our abode with him. It's from the same verb, the same plural verb, different case, but the same pl- plural verb or different tense, same plural verb as Genesis 126 mm-hmm. from Poyao, the same plural verb. It's beautiful. The same plural verb. And um, we can go on and on about the, the, the God being called makers and right. which is plural verbs and husbands. And, and um, I think my favorite one is in Ecclesiastes 12, 12, one, where Solomon says, uh, remember your creators in the days of your youth. And here's the point. And there's plural prepositions as, as pointed out, here's the point. Um, singular words are used of Yahweh because mm-hmm. there's one being, there's one God he's called maker. He's called creator plural and plural words are ascribed to him. Creators, husbands, makers, in Genesis 3.22, you know, a plural preposition, let us, um, man has become like one of us. That's a plural preposition there. As a Trinitarian, in Trinitarianism, these all comport to the doctrine. These are consistent. Not true if you're a oneness Pentecostal or if you're some kind of Unitarian, you're going to struggle with these plural verbs. 
you can't merely say, oh, these are all plural of majesty. No, these are plural verbs. These mm -hmm. are plural adjectives. There's no plural adjectives. By the way, a plural of majesty was not used for hundreds of years later. So that would be anachronistic as well, or prochronistic. Mm. Um, so it comports with our theology. Right. I can say there's plural verbs, there's singular verbs, because that's Trinitarianism. Mm -hmm. Unitarianism does not allow for plural words or plural, these plural verbs, adjectives, prepositions. So I think it's I think it's very significant. Yeah, these plural words. Um, do you find any evidence within uh, Second Temple Jewish literature, the apocrypha, apocrypha, um, deuterocanonical books, uh, for a Trinitarian view where they might have thought in the same way, maybe like to Yahweh theory, if you would. Yeah, it's interesting um, what I find. Uh, even pseudepigrapha work, and I'm pointing to the non-canonical uh, Enoch, which is technically technically called First Enoch mm -hmm. because the but Enoch we say just the Book of Enoch because the Second right. or Third Enoch is more of a more of a forgery. I mean, we don't even know yeah. where, you know, it's just not legitimate. Mm -hmm. But not that First Enoch is canonical, but it has more merit. So we say the Book of Enoch. Mm -hmm. Interesting. And the Book of Enoch goes way back, you know, third century before right, Christ. Right. Yeah. The fact of matter, but it does, it does. Like 500, 500 BCs? Or three and four. 300, there we go. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. But what's interesting, um, about three, three to 200 BC. Here's okay. what's interesting about the Book of Enoch. Um, and then I'll talk about the Targum. But the Book of Enoch, which is interesting, even though it's non-canonical, it does represent Jewish thought. I mean, mm -hmm. it, it was in, you know, it, it does provide some, some right. insight, even though it was pseudo-pigrapha uh, work. However, it's very interesting that in chapters um, 31 through 72, and especially 48, for, 42 and 48, it mentions and it speaks about the son of man, but as a divine person mm. rather than a mere venerated person, a divine right. person. And in chapters 70 through 71, it speaks of the son of man who, who was already affirmed as divine. He, they speak of this book, speaks of the son of man expressively expressly identified as a messiah and there's many parallels in enoch with um the son of man in daniel particularly in, in chapter 46 verses one through four where it, it's introduced several different times and it affirms the pre-existence of the son of man who was worshiped mm -hmm. so i you know you, we do have um and then the targum which is before um, right. jewish apocrypha you know speaks of the of the tart or the um of the memra all over the place who was mm -hmm. distinct um it's interesting that you compare the hebrew with the targum and for those who are unfamiliar with the targum um basically it was a a hebrew paraphrase in aramaic sort of was right. a lot of times in the temple they would read hebrew then they would read a paraphrase similar to your pastor saying the NIV or the NASB reads this way, but the New Living Translation, you know, just mm -hmm. for clarity. Anyways, um, this was Jewish literature, and it speaks of the word of the Lord, and it replaces many times Yahweh as the word, the memora of the Lord in different places, like in, in particularly in Exodus, 
Mm-hmm. Um, the word of the Lord said to Moses, right? Where the Hebrew says, um, uh, Yahweh said to Moses. So we see the word of the Lord all over the place. The word of the, the memor of God was worship in Genesis 28. Mm-hmm. Um, the memor of God is, is distinctly distinct or distinct from the father and Holy spirit. Um, in particularly in 1924, um, in the Targum, it's interesting. It says the Lord reigned, reigned upon Sodom and Gomorrah, brimstone and fire from the Lord out of heaven. But the Targum reads, the word of the Lord did these things. And we can go on and on about the comparison of um, from Hebrew to the Targum, how the Targum sometimes replaces Yahweh with the word of the Lord, who is expressed as being distinct from a Yahweh. Hmm. So I think the Targum, Enoch, I think though, particularly the Targum, um, you have many multi-personal references of God. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, that, that type of fluidity, um, if you would. Okay, so if jumping to the New Testament, popular one from the opposition, if you would, Colossians 1.15, firstborn. Have at it. <laughs> yeah, for, yeah, for firstborn. That's, that's because uh, I mean, even even Trinitarians trip him out. Like, dang, it is it's almost sounding like you know Jesus was created, but then the text is saying you know with John, well, he's he's Logos, he's the he's he was he he never had a beginning, if you would, right, uh, right. But Paul saying that he's the firstborn of creation of many fruits, so you know, help our, yeah, that, that was one of the passages. Um, I think that launched me into apologetics years ago when a Jehovah's witness came to my, uh, I was at an apartment and, um, you know, I, I was raised in a Baptist church and actually I was reading some stuff back then, but Jehovah's witnesses came to my door and I was a little mm-hmm. hubris and, you know, I knew what I believed. I knew Jesus was God and I understood the Trinity and so on and so forth, but they came at me with arguments. I didn't know how to respond to which I didn't know how to respond. This right. was one of them. Mm-hmm. He's called firstborn. Like, why is he called firstborn? You know? right. right. And of course, just like um, monotheism, they read into firstborn as first created, just like mm-hmm. Unitarians do with, with monotheism, you know, mono personalism um, or the phrase one God. Well, it's interesting because first of all, the firstborn pro tatakas um, is, is several times we find this word in the new Testament. And I think in revelations, it it's articular the firstborn, mm-hmm. but the fact of the matter is when we look at where it's used or first in Colossians, here's the thing. Anytime you look at Colossians, whether you're with the one that's Pentecostal and looking at um, two, nine two verse nine, or you're talking to Jehovah Witnesses, and this is their, even the kids know this one. You know, even mm-hmm. the kids know how to, why Why are the kids of the cult so bold to come to our doors and present their faith? And our kids, like the youth in churches, they mm-hmm. just want to hear bands and eat pizza. Right, they, right, don't, right. they don't want to yeah. witness, you know, they don't know these, Ooh. you know, why is it, you know? But in firstborn, or the uh, case of firstborn, Colossians 1.15, um, we're looking at a document. We're not looking at a verse. We're looking at a book. Mm-hmm. And one thing that's important, even for, for Christians, this is this is uh, also 
Christians should consider this. Anytime you're even going through a book, you got to keep in mind the audience. You got to keep right. in mind some things like who yep. was he writing to? Why was the author writing? Mm-hmm. What was his context? Yeah. Uh, what was the document context and all these things? Well, we know that the context simply of Colossians was a was an anti-Gnostic polemic. The Gnostics didn't believe in matter. They didn't believe mm-hmm. in any kind of physicality. Um, I don't have to explain all the nuts and bolts of Gnosticism, so, but that's the fact of the matter. Why do you think Paul goes to great lengths to express our that our redemption is through his physical body, his physical death, through his blood? You know, he he didn't do that because he he was just you know kind of writing. And he thought it was cool. He was writing against the Gnostics. Okay, mm-hmm. so the context also puts light on this on this meaning how we should look at prototakos but lexically meaning the first century first century definition mm-hmm. um in koine greek denotes supremacy preeminence or first of rank as the context of colossians demands remember jesus in verse 16 through 17 is presented in the strongest way possible four different prepositions are used as the agent of creation he created all things so of course he's the firstborn mm-hmm. um uh badag defines this and this is one of the standard lexicons as as oh, having sp- yeah yeah special status associated yep. with the firstborn mm-hmm. it's used in the old testament septuagint it's used in uh exodus 4 mm-hmm. where israel is called firstborn now israel was not the first nation but they had preeminence in psalm 89 27 david's called prototokos david's called the firstborn technically was he not the lastborn i mean biologically right, right. exactly exactly and so and then also in genesis this is interesting in genesis 40 41 51 manasseh right he's firstborn we read that ephraim is second right but in jeremiah 31 ephraim now is called firstborn because now at this time he had the preeminence he had the supremacy not manasseh but interesting even in the watchtower um in watchtower literature in the old book they used to use it's still printed by the watchtower or still utilized aid to bible understanding they talk about david who was the youngest of jesse who was called by jehovah mm-hmm. firstborn he was called they they this is a quote. He was called by Jehovah firstborn due to Jehovah's elevation of David in the preeminent position in God's chosen nation. That's what we believe. That is the meaning, but they don't, they're not consistent to that meaning. And of course there was other words Paul could have used. He could have used, um, proto katissas. I mean, he could have used other words that actually meant first, first created, but he didn't. Mm-hmm. And, um, lastly, the entire context of divine revelation, presents Jesus as creator, as God in the flesh, creator of all things. John 1, 3, Colossians 1, 16 and 17, Hebrews 1, 2, Hebrews 1, 10. So Paul was consistent, you know, scripture, right. Colossians 1, 15 is part of a book, which is part of the New Testament, which is part of the Bible. Right. Um, going back to your uh, previous conversation about the guy in Bible study that knew where to go to. Uh, the son doesn't know the hour that he'll come back when fathers. Um, somebody that's that train or may appeal to this would say, Well, yeah, that's a good argumentation for subordinationism. Um, could you walk us briefly through 
what subordination is and why that is not a plausible position biblically. Yeah. Um, biblically, there, theologically, philo philosophically, however you want to parse that. <laughs> keep in mind, um, well, for, first, um, Mark, if you look at Mark, or the, I, I always go to Mark, it seems like, um, I mean, all these kind of things, when there's parallel, mm -hmm. Mark may have been the earliest one, but it doesn't right. matter. Um, it doesn't, when you look at the, the, the linguistics of the word to know, it doesn't mean in discovery, like, oh, what happened? Um, but it has a declarative semantic there. Mm -hmm. In other words, but the day of the hour, um, not the, the, not man, not the angels, nor the son of man, but only the father declares the second coming. I just paraphrase it. And that's, that could be shown by based on the word um no in a preeminent sense because it's used that way in first corinthians 2 2 paul says i declared to know nothing except christ crucified he's mm -hmm. declaring something that's how i think it's used here that erases this is how the early church used it as well um so i i think this erases the idea that there was some kind of ignorance of christ he did know but it's the father who declares it and that's right, how that right. word uh, Ido is used in a declarative sense, just like the Hebrew um, Hethel stem, declarative mm -hmm. or causative. Anyways, um, dealing with uh, subordinationism, keep in mind, there is a subordinationism that's heretical, and there is a, a view of subordinationism that's not. Um, well, I don't think this, the second view is is not heretical, and I'll explain it. Mm -hmm. There is a common view of subordinationism that has to do with the idea that Jesus Christ was ontologically subordinate, right? Ontologically subordinate to the Father. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes this is applied to the Holy Spirit as well, but taking the normal um, um, doctrine here, it can be construed as an ontological subordination. I would think that's heresy because jesus's deity becomes less or subordinate than right. uh ontologically subordinate to the father but there is a doctrine of subordination we also see this at nicaea that's functional subordination now there's of course two schools of thought and which goes like this was jesus subordinate functionally subordinate to the father before the incarnation or was he functionally subordinate to the father in his incarnational life mm -hmm. many will say he was functionally subordinate you know he submitted to the father and all these things in his incarnation right being the two-natured person mm -hmm. some would say no he was also there was a functional and that's the key word not ontological a functional subordination between the father and son meaning the the son obeyed the father before he came to earth before he came to earth, based on John 6, uh, 638, before he came to earth, he says, not my will, but your will. Before mm -hmm. he was, grammatically, it's very interesting that 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 verse, before he came, before he came to earth, before he came to earth, he says, not my will, but your will. That he says, I have, I have come down, mm -hmm. right? Perfect indicative there. I have come down. Apatu Urano from the heaven, not in order that this is literal, that I should do the Thalema 
emon of me. Not that I should do the will of me, but the will, the same, the same word is used, the lemma, the will of the one, and here's the area's participle, having sent mm-hmm. Pemsantos, having sent me. Now here's the thing. Not my will, but the will of the one having sent me. The one having sent me, that action of having sent, Aries participle, would be grammatically antecedent mm-hmm. to the perfect action. I have come down. That means that decision, when he said, not my will, but your will, happened before the perfect action of coming down to earth. In other words, he, in some sense, he submitted functionally to the Father before the incarnation. Anyways, those are the two views um, of functional subordination, either only at his incarnation or eternal functional subordination. Heretical side of that would be he was ontologically subordinate to the Father, which is classically called subordinationism. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, So you have subordinationism and then you have something called modalism. But before we get into that, listen, listen into uh, uh, this clip here. Um, some people don't know his position, um, but but listen into this clip with uh, uh, T.D. Jakes and Mark Driscoll. It, it, I guess it's called Elephant in a Room that took place at um, Stephen Furtick's church, Elevation Church. Um, listen into this. I am there. I don't, I'm not crazy about the word persons. And this is most people who know me know that that is really my doctrinal statement is no different from yours, except for the, the, the injection of manifest into manifest instead of persons, which you describe as modalist and I describe as Pauline. When, when I read, let me show you what I'm saying. When I read, when I read first Timothy 316, I didn't, I didn't create this modalist in and without controversy, which I think we have, we have bickered about something that is what Paul describes a mystery. And I don't think we should do that. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness for God was manifest in the flesh. Mm-hmm. Now, Paul is not a modalist, but he does not think that it is robbery to the divinity of God to say God was manifest in the flesh. And I think if maybe the semantics could be this way or that way, but Paul says this before this fight ever started, but he also goes, oh, God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world and received up into glory. Mm -hmm. Now, now when, when we start talking about that sort of thing, uh, I, I, I think that it is important that we realize that there are distinctives between the father and the working of the son. Father didn't bleed, father didn't die, uh, only in the person of Jesus Christ, uh, coming back for us in the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ has been with us, but only indwells us through the person of the Holy Spirit. We are baptized into the body of Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. I don't think any of that is objectionable to any of the three of us so far. Not at all. So that is consistent with my belief system. Yeah, I know, I know, I know, I'm with you. I have been with you. I teach, preach that all the time. There are many people within and outside of quote unquote denominations that are labeled oneness that would describe that the same way. There are some that would not. But when we get to know people by their labels, then, then, then comes all the baggage of how we define that label. And, and we mismanage, it's almost like stereotypical ideologies we have about races. We have those ideas about uh, denominations and movements. 
the reason I applauded. All right, so Dr. Dacor, is he is is he making word soup here? Um, because almost like you said, Paul's a modalist. <laughs> well, a couple things. First, he he completely butchers First Timothy three sixteen. As I said right. before, that has to do with the incarnation, and that has to do with God the Son, not the Father, not the Holy Spirit, not mm-hmm. God in general, but God the Son. He butchers that. He has no idea what he's talking about. In fact, the word the word manifestation there. And some translations were say revealed. That's what it, you know. Manifestation is really an older word, but you know, you can. I I I use it. I have no problem using it in that context. Right. Um, Phanerao is the term, which literally means to to re- be revealed. But that's a category mistake. To be revealed doesn't define a person. To be revealed just defines an action of somebody of something or somebody being revealed. The question is, who was revealed? Mm-hmm. He wasn't revealed as a re- revelation. The sun didn't come down as a manifestation. That's not an ontological term. It's the sun that was manifested, right. not a mode, not a manifestation that was manifested. I mean, that's one is doctrine. It's neither a historical definition. It's neither. Why don't you think? I mean, I don't know any Trinitarian church that uses manifestations, but yet all the oneness people do. Mm-hmm. All the oneness people do. And interesting. There's a couple things. If T.D. Jakes, first, I think Driscoll did a horrible job. You know, first of all, he's wishy-washy on his Calvinism. But I, th- I thought they, 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 oh, they were just anybody. scared of the guy. I thought they just, you know, knelt before the mighty Jakes. They didn't call him out. Do you believe in three distinct eternal persons who are distinct right. from each other? You know, they didn't say anything about they didn't really call him out. They just talked about the names and all these things. Oh, yeah, they yeah, probably yeah. gave him coffee and they probably, you know, laughed. And, and the conclusion, um, I think McDowell, McDonald, who was there, he he writes, oh, Jake's we know now is a Trinitarian. What in the world? He's not a no. Trinitarian. If he right. was a Trinitarian, look, um, Trevor, I, I spoke at a at a church in Cayman Islands on the Trinity. I was the only white person there. It was the Church of God in Christ. Oh yeah, that's where I'm from. Well, came out of. Let me. Oh, oh yeah. the the but you know the country the only, or the church. The uh the church is uh, oh, okay. uh yeah. Grand, and matter of fact, you talking about your own white. My my maternal grandfather was white and pastored in Church of God in Christ. Oh <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. So yeah, well then yeah, it's a tri- it's a Trinitarian church. It is you know. Them and in anyways, of God. Yeah, and by the way, the Assembly of God. I I pointed this out in my book on oneness um and maybe i can mention if anyone wants the book they can go on my website christianoffense.org mm-hmm. uh but one thing i pointed out with the assembly of god they took a very strong stance i think it was in 1916 they expunged about 156 pastors for teaching oneness they Whoa. kicked them out they took a very strong stand i think at their third conference general conference third i, I think it was that. their third general conference in 1916 yeah. uh, they took a very strong stance on the trinity and I applaud him much for doing that. You know, Anyways, I think uh, I think the founder of the Church of God in Christ, Bishop Mason, when they had that, I forgot who it was that came out from the African Americans' perspective for oneness. But I think he kept pleading with him, and I think it was a, the point of where he had tears in his eyes to huh. not go that way. He said it's heresy. Um, but yeah. Anyways, yeah, that, I didn't know that about Assemblies of God. Yeah, they take a very Expunging, strong stance. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And um, 
Yeah, they're just like Church of God in Christ. They're uh, not right. to be confused with the Church of God. You know, those kids that go to the mall and say, "Hey, did you know the Father's married, has a wife in heaven?" I don't know if you've experienced that where you live, but they're all over the place. Oh, you're talking about? Um, are they Asian, like uh, Korean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, and they sent out was, the kids. Yeah, it was like one youth. matter of fact. It was on the corner, and it was it came right after I, I listened to a podcast on it from the cultish on this church. I forgot the name of the, but they were holding up a sign just on the corner. They would not say nothing. It was just, you know, moving back and forth with it. But uh, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Why We don't have any Moonies here to my knowledge, but that church. Let, I me, think, let me tell you, when they come up to you, uh -huh. their first line is, did you know fa the father has a wife in heaven or there's a mother God, right? Because they want, mm -hmm. they want that shot. And that's what they believe. And they don't believe like Mormons, like she's a physical woman, but it, you know, it, it's, it's a talking point. That's they try to get right, your right. attention. Yeah. Why doesn't our youth go on the street and go right up to you? Hey, do you know you're saved by grace alone through God in the flesh? You know, why, why don't we have our youth be definitive like that? Amen. You know? Amen. Anyways, dealing with Jake's first, he has no idea what the word manifestation means. He confuses categories. Manifestations is not an ontological term person is it's the God, the son who was manifested, not a manifestation who became a manifestation. Mm -hmm. He failed at explaining um, his position. He hid what he believes. Um, and Driscoll and the other guy, they just let him slide because they didn't, they weren't equipped to give definitive questions. They just weren't equipped. They failed. But if Jake's is Trinitarian, number one, why does right now, if you go to the Potter's house right now, why does his doctrinal statement still define God as three manifestations? That's that's oneness, mm -hmm. meaning modes, manifestations, uh, right. names, not persons. Why does he do that? Why is it that in all his literature, and I went through all of his books and literature, there's nothing on the Trinity. In fact, some years ago, my friend gave me a, a video of Jake's on a Wednesday night um, teaching. And when he teaches, he has a Bible reader. You know, he'll say, read, and she'll Oh, read yeah, 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 yeah. That's like old school Pentecost. I mean, we grew up with that. It would be like, um, they call them like apostolic readers, not to say like apostle, but it was just kind of, it normally be like an old mother, and then she'll read, you know, and the Lord said, and he'll pause, and the preacher will say, and the, Gino Jennings does that. Yeah, I was just going to say, yeah, Gino. <laughs> so he's doing you're not, something. You're not on, going into a Reformed Presbyterian church. <laughs> <laughs> he, he's doing something on John, uh -huh. and he has the reader read. They're going through John 14. He gets to verse 11, and this is what it shows on this. It was a videotape that I had, actually. Believe me, he has the reader read it. Read verse 11. He didn't repeat it. He he had her read it. She reads it. Believe me. And I know she had to be schooled how to modify the words. I know he told her this. Believe me that I am that. Believe me. I'm thinking how she said it. Okay. Believe me that I am the father and the father is in me. That's how she read it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. He puts his, his, his hand over his mouth. Did you hear that? Did you hear that? Yahweh. Yahwehistic language. I am the father. And they all roared and clapped, but she, he had her read it. Don't you know that I am the father? Okay. Anyways, it's interesting that tape. Um, I was, I went to years ago. Remember the CRI, the Bible answer, man, Hank Hennigram. Mm -hmm. yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Now he's the traditional answer, man. But anyways, um, I, I went with my friend, uh, James White. We went to a mm -hmm. show 
and he was being um, uh, interviewed on an up-and-coming debate. Actually, his debater was there, too, a guy from Calvary Chapel Church, Bryson, George Bryson. But anyways, um, I gave that cassette to Hank Hanegraaff. I said, you probably can use this. I told him what it was. And, of course, my friend who gave me the video, he said, I just want his resurrection book. So, you know, we traded. Anyways, that was very revealing of his view, and they mm -hmm. all clapped. If Jake's is still... If, he, if he's a oneness, the question is, why does he have a, or if he's Trinitarian now, supposedly changed, why does he have three manifestations? God existing as three manifestations on his website. You can go right now. Also, James, uh, James or Jake's has a divinity school. I don't know if you knew yeah. that. It's a huge oh, yeah. Go yeah. on their doctrinal statement. It defines God as three manifestations. And here's the thing right now, if Jake's is Trinitarian, why is it for many years, Jake's has been the vice prelate, it's kind of like the vice president oh, yeah. of a decidedly oneness organization yep. called Higher Ground Always Abounding Assembly? Oh, yeah. Yep. Guess where the headquarters is? Potter's house. Mm -hmm. Right. He's never affirmed. Um, he's never affirmed Trinitarianism in any way, shape or form. Keep in mind, too, and the listeners should understand this. Oneness people will use triune. They have no problem using triune because that's how they define uh, the modes. There's three modes. That's what Jake's did. They have mm -hmm. different functions. All oneness believe that. Right. Anyways, you know, and Jake's is, has been on different talk shows where he clearly stated oneness. Um, his dad, or yeah, I believe his dad was a oneness Pentecostal. He says he comes, or he says he comes from two backgrounds, oneness and Baptist or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, but um. One God manifested in three ways. He said that before. Um, actually, he said that in Time Magazine. I mean, there's so many. There's so much evidence that he's still, he's still oneness. He has not changed. Let the man speak for himself. Getting back to the Church of God in Christ, speaking on the Trinity. Anytime I speak on, if I speak on justification for faith, I'm going to mention the Roman Catholic Church. Show as a teaching tool. Show him what uh -huh. it's not. If I teach on oneness, I'm going to teach the main proponents. Now I'm going to add Geno Jennings. Um, I, I mentioned TD Jakes. I said, absolutely. I gave the evidence. Absolutely. He's oneness. He's never affirmed Trinitarianism. When I was done, we had question and answer. All of a sudden, man, pe people just looked at me like the antichrist. They didn't like that. I said anything about TD Jakes. So all the questions revolved about that. And they were trying to defend him. Oh no, he's, he's a Trinitarian. <laughs> I said, no, he's not. No, he's go not. Ahead, go, let the man speak <laughs> hey, for himself. Not. Right. Very mm -hmm. cunning with words. You yeah, know. and as you see, he didn't affirm the Trinity in that clip he, did he not. said. The no, whole, the, yeah, the whole thing, he never affirmed it. Right. He just, what you would say, beat around the bush or we would say tap dancing around. Um, yeah. So modalism, that would come from is it mon monetarism. Help me with that pronunciation. Monarchism. Mon there we go. Yeah. That's the foundation of modalism, if you would. Yeah, it's a monarch. It's a higher monarch right. or monad as god and there's two um two forms of um modalism uh or monarchianism there's modalistic monarchianism and then there's um uh th there's something like adoptionism right uh -huh. um or successive modalism simultaneous modalism and successive modalism mm -hmm. and they're all under monarchianism um right. uh, successive modalism is really technically we would say that's what technically modalism actually is. It's a successive 
um, system. In fact, this is what Sibelius held to. So a lot of oneness people will say, we're, we're not modalists. What they mean is we don't believe in successive modalism. Here's what mm -hmm. successive modalism. First, you have God the Father in his role of, of creation. Then you have Jesus. Remember, his name is the Unitarian God is named, he's named Jesus. Yeah. His name is Jesus. Then you have the son mode. The father is no longer around. You have the son mode in redemption. So father in creation. And then when his work was done, the Jesus as the father, now you have Jesus as the son in redemption. After that, you have Jesus as the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think, is it the way international that holds to this kind of successive modalism where it's just Jesus, the Holy Spirit. In fact, David Bernard, one UPC author, oneness author said the son's role will no longer be relevant. In other words, we won't see the son in heaven. We're just going to see Jesus as the Holy Spirit or as the father. And simultaneous modalism would teach that all modes exist simultaneously, like at Jesus's baptism. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um. All right, before we before we uh, kind of wrap up, baptism in Jesus' name, they run to Acts chapter two as mm -hmm. their their go to, um, which is which Peter said, you know, be baptized in in Jesus. Is it is that a you know for them? It seems that's kind of what they latch onto for their our biblical argument. Um, could you unpack that for Trinitarians that may? want some clarification i wouldn't say necessarily struggle but just kind of how would i how would i you know defend that um of course matthew the 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 great commission father son holy spirit and then you have peter who says in jesus name only or in jesus name right um well first a couple things that are interesting um first and one is people, they always like to say, you know, we follow the, we follow the apostolic doctrine. You know, that's mm -hmm. what we do. Mm -hmm. We follow the apostolic doctrine. But if so, which formula? Because if you look in the book of Acts, there's, there's several different formulas in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus Christ, in the name of the Lord. I mean, which, which one do we follow? Which, which is the apostolic doctrine? Right. right. And you see how. Yeah, how mushy that that kind of view is. Um, but the fact of the matter is, and I think it comes down to this: first, the the sacrament of baptism, what baptism actually is, the the meaning of uh, baptizo or baptism, and really it has an overall meaning of unification and identification. Keep that in mind. And then the semantic, uh, the semantic meaning or semantic meaning of uh, name, power, and authority. So when you're baptized in the name of Jesus, you're demonstrating that you're unified because we, in light of the semantic or lexical semantic of baptism, baptizo, unification, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you're unified into the name, onama, into the name or power or authority of Jesus and not a name like, hey, my name is Edward. Your name is Trevor. You know, Trevor, right. you know it, 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 they didn't rarely was even used that way. And in fact, in um, th this unit, the idea of unification is well exampled, for instance, in um, 1 Corinthians 10.2, uh, where it says, all the Israelites, all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. Well, they, there wasn't a big tank called Moses, but they were all unified 
into Moses. Paul uses baptism in that sense too. But the fact of the matter is, even if you believe that some kind of apostolic formula, um, and you know they believe it's a necessity, but yet they can't point to the exact formula because it was used all in different ways. Right. Um, it denies justification through faith alone. That's what it does. It denies salvation through grace alone. So that's the biggest problem of that view, because remember, it's a necessity. Right. Baptism is a necessity. Uh-huh. It's not optional. It's a necessity. So it denies baptism. It denies justification through faith alone. And also, I know what they point out, what they would point out to is that Matthew 28, um, 19 has a Trinitarian formula. We know that, but they would point out this. As mentioned before, the word name is singular. That means in the name of Jesus, mm-hmm. he's the one name. He's the one person, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. It's all Jesus. That's how they interpret it. Or they'll say it's not in scripture. You know, they'll um, they'll use that argument, which is a horrible argument. Um, because what they, what they mean, in, it's not in any of the papyrus, papyri, right? But right, that right. just means there wasn't a reading, you know, in the papyrus. So what? Are you going to throw away Second Timothy? Yeah. You know, yeah. Are you going to throw away all the verses that aren't in the papyrus? The right. fact of the matter is, in every single Greek manuscript, and we have—I mean, overall—you know—we have almost six thousand. But of all the ones um, that contain Matthew twenty-eight nineteen, in all of those, not one time is there an alteration. In all those, and I think it's um. I don't have the number of how many manuscripts Matthew 8, uh, 28, 18 is in, but the fact of the matter is it's all the Trinitarian formula. Every single case, every single manuscript that contains Matthew 28, 19, it's Trinitarian. There is no manuscript that says baptize in the name. Not one manuscript will say that. Yeah. Um, and staying on with this, um, you know, with bapti- baptism, obviously, it uh, precedes confession of 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 your mouth of what's in your heart. Um, let me let me play this clip and get your get your opinion on it. Um, about is the Trinity necessary? A belief in the Trinity necessary for salvation is it a salvific issue. This clip comes from no other than William Lane Craig, and then we'll get Mister or Doctor Dow Quarter weigh in on this. I don't think that it's necessarily essential to salvation, however. For example, I think that Abraham and Moses will be in heaven. They were saved, but they didn't believe the doctrine of the Trinity. They'd never heard of it. And similarly, I imagine there are people today, people on the mission field who hear the gospel preached over the shortwave radio, who place their faith in Christ and are saved, who don't understand or have an appreciation of the doctrine of the Trinity. And sadly, there may be people in our churches, frankly, who do not understand and believe in the doctrine of the Trinity. But nevertheless, they are believing in Christ as Savior and believing that he is divine, that he's the Lord. Um, And so I don't think that belief in the Trinity is essential to salvation. The doctrine of the Trinity, I think, lies at the core of Christianity because it explains to us who God is and what he is like. All right. So Dr. Delcourt, is it necessary to believe in 
the Trinity to be saved. I think it's necessary for William Craig to take basic courses on the Trinity because that was horrible. Um, here, here's the problem. Mm-hmm. I don't. I'm not fond of William Craig's doctrines. Um, here's the problem. If you say, if you, and he mentioned it, he put his foot in his mouth when he mentioned it. Mm-hmm. Jesus said, Jesus gives a condition. Um, unless you believe that I am the eternal God, mm-hmm. you'll die in your sins. Yeah. In fact, believing that he's the son of man is essential for salvation as the blind man worshiped him as the son of man. And he talks about coming to the son of man. I mean, so believing he's divine, truly God, not a mere representation, believing he's truly God as taught in virtually every letter, every letter explicitly or implicitly in the new Mm -hmm. Testament. Mm -hmm. And I would point out in the old Testament, and I think Craig would do well to study the pre-existent appearances of Christ in the uh, old Testament. Jesus said, Abraham rejoiced at seeing my day. He wasn't right. talking about necessarily the Holy Spirit or the Father. He said, my day. Yeah. My day. And in fact, in cha- in verse um, in verse 40 of that same chapter, chapter 8, he says to the same Jews that he's arguing with, as it stands, he says, you want to kill me. This is something Abraham did not want to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He was there. In fact, in places like Acts uh, 10.36, what does... What does Peter tell us about Acts 10.36? He says this was the message that he gave to the sons or children of Israel. This is what Yahweh, this is what God sent mm-hmm. to the sons of Israel, preaching preaching peace through Jesus Christ. He is Lord over all. Yeah. This is Old Testament. So if you want to remove Jesus from the Old Testament and say, well, no one really knew about him. And well, the problem is Jesus is divine, and as the angel of the Lord, he was a divine person. As the Son of Man, he was a divine person. Abraham believed he was a divine person. In fact, what does the angel of the Lord tell Moses? He says in verse 6 of chapter 3, I am the God of your father. Abraham, mm-hmm. Isaac, Jacob he says, I'm that God. Yeah. I am the eternal one. So when someone says they believe in Jesus as God, as Craig points out, you know, you got to believe in the deity. Well, if you do, how is he God in relationship to the Father? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Is he the same person? Is he a separate God? Does it matter? Does it matter if you believe Jesus is God, but you don't believe in the Trinity? Right. Well, yeah, because you're talking about the nature of God now. If I said your wife was half amphibious, but she's a really nice woman, well, I'm not talking about your wife. I'm distorting her nature. Exactly. The same. If I say Jesus is God, the question is, when does people believe Jesus is God? So it's not enough just to believe Jesus is God, because when Jesus said, when you lift up the son of man, then you will know that I am, I'm God. And I only do what the father, you know, what I'm taught by the father, he differentiates himself. And in fact, Trevor, it's very interesting. Jesus's most significant claims to be God in chapter eight of John in Mark 14, 61 through 64, in John 10, 30, in these places, in John 5, 17, 18, in the same breath, he mentions the Father. He differentiates himself from the Father. So it was important to Jesus that you know that he's God, mm-hmm. yet he's distinct from the Father. And that is the doctrine of the Trinity. So if you don't believe in the doctrine of the Trinity, what are your options if you believe Jesus is God? Then what? 
you know, that's like saying, well, I, I believe in one God and just leave it there. Yeah. You know, where do you draw the line? Exactly. No, it's very essential because Jesus said it was the baptism was Trinitarian. Um, Hosea 6, 6, it says, um, I, I delight, God says, I delight in loyalty rather than burnt than sacrifice and the knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. He wants you to know the knowledge. Again, does it matter if I believe there's one God as long as I believe Jesus is God? You know, mm -hmm. would Craig say, you know, it really doesn't matter if you believe in one God or not, as long as you believe Jesus is your savior. You know, it's just, I think it's the worst thing. You know, I dissuade everyone for for listening to him. I think it's yeah. a horrible apologist and he's not familiar with, you know, he thinks love, you know, he uses love in place of doctrine, like as an apologetic to Muslims. I'm just saying he, He's a philosophical apologist. He's not a theological apologist. Right, right. And that's just a horrible, reckless thing to say. And he's dead wrong. Yeah. It does matter. You got you got time for uh just one more because I would I want to play a clip. Um it's last clip and then we'll wrap it up after this. Uh sure. It's so this description is it says one is Pentecostals believe they are the only ones who will be saved, but then they go and say they might deny this, but it's kind of coded in uh hmm. in their sermon so listen in and uh pay close attention there's no other way hallelujah this is for everybody all colors all nations all persuasions no matter what continent you were born on except a man is born again of the water and of the spirit you cannot enter to the kingdom of heaven Jesus stood up one day he said I am the door if any man come in he'll find pasture he'll find nourishment he'll find salvation for his soul but if anyone tries to come in another way another way another gospel another denomination another faith the same is a thief and a liar there's not a hundred and one different ways to get to heaven there's only one lord there's only one faith there's only one baptism there's only one church there's only one god there's only one name whereby we must be saved no exception all right, so did you catch what he said? I put it on mute. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> that was horrible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we said if any other denomination, and, uh, you know, the infamous is, is one Lord, uh, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, as, as right. famous for, right. you know, Unitarian uh, or oneness Pentecostals latch on to that. Um, but what caught me was he said no other denomination. Right. He, he's consistent. Meaning yeah. a true oneness believer. Sometimes they they they're not as bold. Like Mormons always hide their doctrines from me when they come in. They hide their racism. They hide their. Um, I'm not saying every Mormon's racist, but that's their right, doctrine. Right. That's oh their yeah, historic. yeah, yeah. Yep. But um, I have a great article on my website called Mormonism and Black Skin because it's it's Indians. It's la and yep. they said the worst things. But anyways, they don't tell you that when they come into the door. Oh, a yeah. good oneness person, a reliable, consistent oneness person knows that if you don't believe in oneness in a oneness God, you're simply lost. Mm -hmm. um, just like a consistent, studied, read Christian knows if you deny the Trinity, you're simply lost because you're denying the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I like what John said in 1 John chapter 2. 
Mm-hmm. First, he says, who is the liar except the one who did? Um, except one who denies that Jesus is the Christ. Right. He says, this is the Antichrist, the one who denies the Father and the Son. Um, then in verse 23, John says, whoever denies the Son does not have the Father. The one that confesses the Son has the Father also. So it does matter which Father you have, which Son you have. And John says, if you deny the Son, you don't have, the, you deny the Father also. One mm-hmm. is Pentecostals deny the Son. They deny the biblical revelation of the Father. They deny the biblical revelation of who God is. So he's applying all this to, I mean, he's speaking about himself because he denies the only God and Savior who is triune. Um, yeah, that Mormons say the same thing where they're the only true church on earth. We wouldn't say that. I, you know, right. I don't, we have, there's a lot of Christian denominations, but one thing is true. We all center on the essentials. You and I can argue about end times and prophetic gifts, all these things, but we're Christian because we have Jesus as our Lord. And in John, in uh, Romans 10, 9, the apostle says, whoever confesses, believes as factual, homologeo, believes as factual, Jesus as Yahweh. I say Yahweh because in verse 13, it says, whoever calls upon the name of Yahweh or the Lord will be saved from Joel 2.32. Whoever confesses Jesus as Lord right? As Lord, there's no verb there. As Lord leaves in his heart that God, the father raised him from the dead, you will be saved. But it's the Lord that you confess that matters. Which mm-hmm. Lord, which son, which father and distorting and perverting Ephesians chapter four, one baptism, one faith, one God just makes, just confirms their, their, their status as unregenerate. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, well, we're out of time. Listen, I can I can I can talk to him all night um, and all day. Uh, but listen, if you, if you enjoyed this podcast, um, Dr. Dalcor, what is the best way uh, people may get in contact with you? Um, and then I, I know for certain you get his books off Amazon. Um, but you also said you come to the website because it's a little better in price plus it goes to our nonprofit organization gotcha the website is christiandefense.org christiandefense I mean .com .net they work too but christiandefense just remember christiandefense that we also have a YouTube channel and I'm slowly adding theological content that's Mm christiandefense YouTube but it's on the homepage. You can get the book. You can get the Trinity book. You can get there's some other books there. But you, I just finished a book, by the way, Trevor. I just finished a book, an intro to, a, an introduction to Christian apologetics. Oh, nice. Necessity and purpose, and it's simple. It just talks about the stuff that you and I talk about. Christians yeah, yeah. need to be educated on what the they Trinity do. is. We Absolutely. don't want to give William Craig. Lane Craig's kind of explanation. We don't want to be like Driscoll, just wishy-washy right. and mushy. No, we want to be strong, bold, you want to be strong. Yeah. And you don't, you know, if this is not, compl- as you know, this is not complex stuff. Mm-hmm. We just want to be faithful to the Bible and honor God with our doctrine. ChristianDefense.org. It also has a contact thing, but ChristianDefense.org is how they can get hold of it. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And that's the, that's the, the key is to, uh, you know, uh, one, you gotta, you, you need to read your Bible um, and not be you have what some people I say you rather be told what the Bible says and what what knowing the Bible hold on you rather be told what the Bible says versus knowing what the Bible says about itself so um, pick that book up and read it and then uh, you know I mean you we're here for you um, we list every person that we have on here all their information their contact uh, their resources that they have I'm telling you now Dr. Dalcor on YouTube 
uh, you can look up his debates with uh, uh, oneness uh, proponents. I'm telling you, it will be a tremendous blessing to you. Again, I have I have a friend of mine who's getting ready to take uh, his church uh, through uh, the Trinitarian doctrine, and they're going to be using Dr. Dalcor's work. Um, so that that speaks out. I know others have, and I'm I'm pretty upset because Dr. Dalcor told me that he was in my neck of the woods with Dr. James White a couple weeks ago, and I wish I would have known because I would have gone. It was a while. Well, actually, it was a couple years ago. A couple yeah. years ago, never Me- Mechanicsville. Mechanicsville. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'd like to go back, you know. I love that part of the area. Oh yeah, if I if you do, I'm a I'll be there. I will definitely be there. Um, We should do we should do a a conference at your friend's church on the Trinity. Oh yeah, yeah. I I put something together. Um, He's up in the Bronx. Love the Bronx. Oh yeah. Get some. uh, I told him I said I just want to come up there and get some pizza, man. (laughs) Because you know we had a lot of a lot of people from New York that moved when I was growing up. They moved down. Their parents moved down. So obviously the kids would come and they would uh. You know, they always talk about pizza and uh and one guy, God bless him, uh I work with. He came down, I never forget this story, but he called up like I think it's like Pizza Hut or somewhere, and he said, Yo, let me get three large pies. And the guy said, well, Sir, we don't sell our pie here. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Some explicit flew out with it, I can't say. <laughs> That's funny. Was, you know, I never I never forget that, but uh Hey, listen, let's uh, let's give it up for Dr. Dalcour. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I got you. I got you. Sir. We enjoyed you. Um, Thank you, and Trevor. Again, I'm going to list your uh, ChristianDefense.org below. Go there and get the book so you can support his nonprofit. Um, again, it's ChristianDefense.org. I will list it in the description below, wherever you stream from, Spotify, Google, Amazon, Apple, Podbeam. I mean, wherever you stream from, we're on. And so you can um, you can get that. So again, hey, listen, guys, thank you for, for all of your downloads. Thank you for following us. Um, I think we're just only about two years old, if I'm not mistaken. So we're right about at that 7,000 download mark. So, you know, all over the world. So listen, we, we, we continue to... Let me say this too. Let me say this because I... Um, I got held up with with schoolwork and stuff. And what really blessed me, there were some folks that reached out. I don't know these people from hmm. Apples and Orange. And they said, you know, I just want to let you know that podcast has been blessing me. And uh, I was just about to give up. Hmm. And it, it's it's those kind of comments. If 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 I can just reach one, reach one person, I'm I'm fine with that. I don't ask. I'm not trying to do this to be fair. God knows because I don't like attention. Um, you know, but to bring the academics to the church because it's needed, they need each other. Yeah. And, um, especially what Dr. Dacourse talked about on night, the Trinity, you need to understand the trade. It's not complex, but take the time to study, uh, study to show yourselves approved. So, um, but anyways, yeah, those, those little, com- those comments, I wouldn't say little, just to kind of make it seem like it's just trying to diminish you all, but they, they, you guys don't understand how much of a blessing that meant to me was just to hear how much this is helping you, uh, to Mm. walk through whatever you need to walk through. I mean, we, we've covered everything so far from, uh, things on marriage, uh, things in old Testament, new Testament, the occult, Mm. um, everything just to kind of 
So you so you're not coming to people empty handed. So you know how to have these conversations. You're not afraid. I mean, shoot, I introduced something called it's gone viral. We're looking at viral videos and coming at that from a Christian perspective on how to walk through that. And, and, and let's just be kind of objective when we come, because TikTok is not, you know, we got so many scholars on TikTok and YouTube now. And they've uh -huh. never even been to you know, they don't even have an associate's degree. So first and foremost, you know, they're not experts. You know, some of them have a jailhouse experience. You know, they read a couple of books and then all of a sudden they're expert. But anyways, but listen, hey, don't want to hold you up anymore. You guys go about doing what you ever got planned today. Uh, again, thank you so much for listening. Dr. Dacor, God bless you. And thank you, my brother. Thank you, Trevor. Really thank appreciate you. your ministry. God knows I do. God knows I do. Um, but hey, listen, we'll catch you guys on the next episode. Uh, which will be it's gone viral so uh again god bless you god keep it god keep you and may heaven smile upon you this is our prayer please pray for us in jesus christ's name we'll see you next time <laughs>